the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Everything we do at Shepherd is based around John 3.14 that teaches us to lift up the name of Jesus that the world might believe. We want to come alongside you in your journey with God and help you become stronger in your faith so you can better serve Jesus and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 77. And if you have your sermon notes, I want to speak to you on this subject, Is God In? Have you ever asked those questions to God? Is God in? And is He available? And will He see me? I could venture to say that that's a common question, a normal question, when we live through such a tumultuous year like we are experiencing right now. And the question that we ask is not, is the doctor in? Not, is is the pastor in? Not, is the counselor in? The big question, is God in? And during those times we ask, well, where is God? And what is God doing? And is God sleeping up there? Is he just sitting up there in heaven watching me suffer? Does God take pleasure in seeing my pain? Does God care? Is God in? Well, guess what? Psalm chapter 77 answers that question for us. It begins with verse 1 where he says, I cried out to God for help. And I cried out to God to hear me. He, he's not even sure God's listening to him. Then we come to verse 2. He said, when I was distressed, I sought the Lord. And watch this. At night, the psalmist said, I, I, I stretched out my untiring hands. And then verse 3, he said, I remember you, O God. I groaned, I mused, and my spirit grew faint. What does that mean? That means he was about to give up. Verse 4, he says, you kept my eyes from closing. What does that mean? It means he couldn't sleep. And then he says, and I was too troubled to speak. He couldn't sleep and he couldn't speak. All he could do was cry out to God and reach out and beg. Verse 5, he said, I thought about the former days, the years of long ago, and I remembered, verse 6, my songs in the night. What's he talking about? He's thinking about the good old days when they used to sit around the campfire and sing Kumbaya. And now he's wondering, where is the God of long ago? 
And then he starts asking these questions. You see, if you can relate to any of these questions, and you'll see as you go through this list, oh, he was struggling. Look at verse 7, 8, and 9. He said, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? And as you look at that list of questions, it all boils down to, he's wondering, where are you, God? That's what he's asking. Is God in? And then you come to verse 10. Verse 10, if you look at it, you can write this down. There's a shift that takes place in verse 10. Verse 10 is the epicenter of Psalm chapter 77. It begins with his mind. There's a shift in his thought process. Then I thought. And as we go through the rest of this chapter, we're going to see the things that he was thinking about, that he started to think about. Oh, this first nine verses, it was me. And then he, he changes his th- thought process, and he starts thinking about all these good things. There's five of them. Where will you find God? Number one, he finds God in history. He finds God in history as he looks back over his life. It says there in verse 10, Then I thought, to this I will appeal the years of the right hand of the Most High God. Verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember the miracles. He looks back over his life and he thinks about all the miracles that he ever saw God perform. The next verse, verse 12, he said, I will meditate on all of your works and consider all of your mighty deeds. Verse 13, he says, your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? That's a good question. Is there any other God as great as our God? And he says in verse 14, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. And he said, you are a God who performs miracles. I will meditate. I will meditate on your deeds all day long. And here's what he's thinking That if God took care of Israel back then, then surely God will take care of Israel today. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a lesson of a lifetime. The greatest pandemic today is not a pandemic from a virus. The greatest pandemic today is the pandemic of fear that has gripped this nation. People by the millions in this country are living in fear as though they have forgotten all the times that God has protected us and provided for us and delivered us and carried us and shielded us. Put yourself in God's shoes. Do you think God's ever up there and have a look down at us and just shakes his head back and forth looking at us? Wondering, where is your faith? Listen, we live in a fallen world. 
There's always going to be cancer and financial crashes and crises and fires or floods or earthquakes or mudslides. But when those times come, trust in God. Look back over your life and remember all the times that God has worked and moved in your life and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has lost none of his powers. He's lost none of his strength. He's lost none of his abilities. And he did not lead you to this point to forsake you. He has never, ever, 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 ever forsaken you in your past, and he will never, ever, ever, ever forsake you in your present. Learn that. Secondly, he says this. Now watch. He says, I saw God in redemption. The very next verse, he says, with your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants. He lists their names of Jacob and Joseph. He goes all the way back to that time period in the midst of a famine, in the midst of a dysfunctional family, in the midst of that time where Joseph was left to die again and again, in the midst of that period where where what man had intended for evil, that God had turned it into good in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, and he thinks back to how God had a plan to redeem Israel and to rescue Israel and to save Israel. And in that same manner, God has always had a plan, and that plan is to redeem all mankind. Don't ever forget that God is working around the clock to redeem mankind. Number three, write this down. You should know this one. This one's easy. God is seen in creation. I don't know how anybody cannot believe in God if you just look and study creation. It's a no-brainer to me. You must, not, you must be looking at the wrong things if you don't believe there's a God. Just open your eyes and look and study creation. The next three verses, 16, 17, and 18, he turns his attention to creation. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you, and they writhed. The very depths were convulsed, and the clouds poured down water The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows, O God, flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and the earth quaked. Have you ever stood on the shores of the Pacific Ocean and looked out across the vastness of the water? Have you ever stood on the rim of the Grand Canyon? Have you ever tried to look up and see the brilliance of the sun or Have you ever tried to count the stars in the Milky Way? Have you ever viewed the majesty of the Rocky Mountains or watched an eagle take flight or marveled at the colors of a rainbow? And to realize that if God holds the entire universe in the palm of his hand, is there anything in your life that's too difficult for God to handle? Seriously. If you have any doubt, you need to read Job chapter 38 and Job chapter 39 and see what God says to Job as Job is questioning and wanting to know the reason of why he is suffering. Job is wanting to know the reasons why he is suffering. 
And those reasons are quickly resolved and become inconsequential when you come face to face with the reality that God is greater and larger than anything you will ever begin to be able to understand. Most of us today are just living in fear. I'm afraid I'm going to get sick. I'm afraid of a virus. That statistics prove that 99.9% of you will be okay, but we're living in fear. I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'm going to run out of toilet paper. Some people are more afraid they're going to run out of toilet paper than they're going to die of the virus. That's true. And if you really, if you truly believe that you might die, you should be running down to the church, not staying away from church. What are you thinking about? I think I'm going to die. I'm just going to stay home from church. Are you kidding me? If you really believe there's a chance you might die, you should run down to your local church. When you understand the God of creation, you as a believer have nothing to fear. Now, number four, and I wish I had more time. I'm just going to take a few moments, but you've got to get point four. God is in the storm. He's in the storm. Some of you, I don't want to go in the storm. I don't want to go in there. Where's God? God is in the storm. That's where he is. God didn't put you in the storm and then he left. Notice what he says in verse 19. He says, your path. What path? Your path. God's path led us through the sea. Your way. We went through the mighty waters. And then he said this, though your footprints were not seen. We we got in the midst of that storm. We didn't see your footprints. In other words, I didn't see any physical evidence that you were there, but he's saying, I know that you were there with us. You know what that reminds me of? Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For I know that you are with me. There is no mountain high enough, no valley deep enough, no storm severe enough where God is not with us. Daniel chapter 3, the Lord was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego inside the fiery furnace. Daniel chapter 6, the Lord was was with Daniel inside that lion's den. In Genesis chapter 37, when Joseph was thrown into that well, He was with Joseph in the bottom of that well. In Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, God was with Paul and Silas inside that rat-infested jail. And whatever storm you're going through here today, you need to know that the Lord God is with you. I heard about this guy. He had all kinds of problems, and he was always scared. He was always worried. He was fearful. He was sick. He was worried sick about his children. He was worried sick about his job. He was worried sick about his wife. He was worried sick about his health. And one day his friend noticed that the man was extremely calm and peaceful all of a sudden. And the friend asked, why are you so calm? 
Why, you used to worry about everything. What, what, what's gotten into you? And the former warrior said, I, I hired a guy to do all the worrying for me. He said, well, how much do you pay that guy? He said, I pay him $1,000 a week. $1,000 a week? You can't afford $1,000 a week. How are you going to pay $1,000 a week? He says, not my problem. That's his problem. <laughs> Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Some of you are running around here, you're carrying all of your burdens, and you're carrying all of your heartache, and you're carrying all of your stress, and all of your worries, and all of your, 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 your burdens, and you just need to come to Jesus and lay all those things down at His feet, and He will give you rest. God is with you in the storm. And as we close, my last point, and stay with me, this is the most important point today. God is seen in the church. He's in the church. The last verse of Psalm 77, he's looking at all the places that he's seen God, and he wraps that chapter up by saying, I saw God when you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What is flock? What does he mean by flock? Well, flock is the description of God's people. In John chapter 10, verses 14 through 18, the word flock is a description for the New Testament church. Now, he was in the book of Psalms looking back to the beginning of nations, uh, the, the, the history of, of Israel. Here I am today. I'm looking back at the history of the church of the last 2,000 years. And as I look at the history of the church from its day of birth on the day of Pentecost to today, through all the persecution, through the storms, through the disagreements, through the hardships, through the difficulties, in spite of imperfect people and in spite of imperfect leaders, the church has survived. The words of Jesus spoken unto Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18, have never been more true. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This, this is God's church. You are his people. You are the flock. And Jesus is the great shepherd. And I look at this church. This church started over a hundred years ago here in the San Fernando Valley. I look at every chair in this auditorium. It represents a miracle, a miracle in the making. It's the miracle of a changed life. I think of all the ministries that this church has that reaches out into every corner of this city. I think of the missions that we support all around the world. It is obvious to me that the hand of God is upon this church. And it is a slap in the face of God to think that God is somehow going to forsake us at this point. My prayer for you is that you would rest in the knowledge that nothing can defeat the church of Jesus Christ. 
not even the devil himself. Why, if you attend the major universities of our day, the Yells and the Harvards and the UCLA's and the USC's of the world, they will tell you that God is not in. If you listen to the Marxists and to the Lenins, they will tell you that God is not in. If you listen to the atheists and the agnostics of this world, they will tell you that God is not in. If you listen to Darwinism or to the science department, they won't won't tell you about a creator God of the universe in the beginning of the Bible. They will tell you that somehow we evolved from monkeys. They, uh, They will tell you that God is not in. And if you listen to the psychologist department, Uh, uh, They will try to explain all the things that you do and why you do them. And it always comes down, it's not your fault, it's someone else's fault. They will tell you that God is not in. And today, even if you enroll in a theology course, and you study Bruner or Butman or Bugs Bunny, they will tell you that the Bible is a man-made book that God's not in. The philosophers of this world, the politicians of our day, economic majors and ethics professors and science teachers and Hollywood and whatever will tell you that God's not in. But if you pick up a Bible and you read Psalm chapter 77 and open up your heart to the truth of God's word, you'll learn that God is in, that Jehovah God is in, the creator God of this universe is in, that almighty God is in. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Deep in the heart of every believer, there's a faint whisper, a call, a prompting. We go about our business and we hear it. We see and interact with lost people every day, and the whisper echoes again for us to share our faith and tell others about Jesus. And yet, we still resist. In his latest book, Compelled, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shares his earnest desire for each and every believer to be equipped with the good news of salvation. He encourages you with inspiring stories of men and women, young and old, who have accepted the irresistible call to share Jesus with everyone they meet. 
and he provides practical methods to overcome your fears and effectively articulate the message of salvation. Thousands of readers have already taken advantage of this incredible book, and now it's here for you. Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith can be yours right now for a gift of $15 or more to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as easy as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith on our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover for yourself the strength that awaits inside you to speak boldly to others of how Jesus Christ has changed your life forever. Don't hesitate. Call us right now and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's latest book, Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith, today. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.